Hello, and welcome to VergeCast, the flagship podcast of Verge.com. It's been a long time mm-hmm. since I've said that. Like three weeks? Three weeks. One week? How many weeks, Ashley? It's, it's been three weeks. Anyway, I'm Neil Patel, <laughs> I'm the editor-in-chief of The Verge. Ashley Carmen is here. Ashley. Hi. Dieter Bone is here. Hello. Lauren Good is here. Hello. <laughs> We've been practicing our Neil hellos and we, we just can't nail it. Yeah. It's a, Hello. It's a no. mix. You gotta that was too friendly. Anyway, yeah. uh you gotta inspire and then terrorize. <laughs> Hello. All, all in one salutation. <laughs> Anyhow, if you've been paying attention, you know that this podcast is brought to you by a fake vodka called Scissor Vodka, which inspires you to cut through the night. Dieter and I were in New Orleans last week and I think we spent I don't know, half a day just making scissor vodka jokes as we walk around town. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, I don't remember any of them. No, because we were... Related, we were in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a good day. Anyway, uh, tons and tons of gadget news. Uh, Paul, by the way, is on vacation this week. And then, you know, it's going to be... It's a holiday season here. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be... It's going to be a rotating cast go. of characters the next few weeks. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it, just an enormous amount of news... This week, so we should get right into it. Just to give you a little, everybody, a little preview. Uh, Microsoft announced a bunch of wild new things that Windows can do, primarily based around running on ARM chips now, which is great. And then there's like sad news that Ashley managed to turn into happy news, which <laughs> I'm I think just is good. The resident optimist. So well, let's start there. So yeah. So Fitbit announced that it was buying Pebble, which is the happy way of saying Pebble is dead. Motorola or Moto. Lenovo Moto decided that smartwatches are over for it. Lauren, you're kind of like our wearable expert. You want to tell us what's going on with things that you wear in your wrist? I'm obsessed with wearables. Yeah. Quite honestly. I mean, is this, uh, is this just like we all knew it was not a good idea and now it's it's sort of spiraling down the drain? Well, we've been through this before. There was like there were the very, very early smartwatches like Microsoft made one years ago, right? And then it never really worked out. And then when mobile became a real thing, smartphones became a real thing, a bunch of companies said, okay, let's try to do this sort of wireless, Wi-Fi connected, I shouldn't say Wi-Fi connected because it wasn't Wi-Fi, but this type of connected wristwatch, right? And there are primarily two categories. There are the basic activity trackers, the Fitbits of the world, Jawbone, which also isn't doing very well. And then there are smartwatches, which generally have shorter battery life, but they serve as a platform for third-party apps, right? So it's very, it's still kind of like segmented like that. Um, so you had Fitbit, right, which is the market leader in wearables by far, um, who primarily makes basic activity trackers, buying Pebble, a smartwatch company. And I will say, I believe Fitbit's business model is that their shit falls apart and you have to buy a new one. And it's ugly. Yeah, that, that part too. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> you meant like the, the physical product falls apart. My wife has gone yeah. through, it, it's like literally like a, like a process that we go through as a family now where she buys a new one. And then the little chargey thing breaks. And then what, she kind, like, what kind does she buy? Uh, the Charge HR or whatever that's okay. called now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it, the little charger breaks. And then she goes through about a month where she has a piece of tape on the charger because <laughs> it's like a like a magnetic clippy charger, but the the piece on the bracelet breaks, so it doesn't connect. So then she tapes the charger around it. Yeah. And exactly. that, that's about a month of our lives where she complains about using masking tape, and I'm and I say things like, "Just buy a new one." <laughs> and that's a, like a conversation we have every day for a month. And then she buys a new one. That's why Fitbit's going to be the last one standing. And then our loop reset. <laughs> yeah, because everyone's <laughs> doing that. Yeah. But how long does she actually, she wears it for a year or so before it breaks? Like how long does she wear it for I would, I would it say it's, it's, a, it's a period between six months to a year before it breaks. Like some of them go oh, faster, some of them go good. longer. But I know, like I am confident Fitbit will continue to succeed because we just keep buying, like A, buying, they've yeah. made a particular kind of crack for healthy people, which is numbers, like how, how active you are. And she competes, you know, she's just like, well, but then it, like, it breaks, so then, like, then there's withdrawal and we have to buy a new one. It's a great business model for Fitbit. Yeah. yeah. And they've also, to top that off, they've also thrown a bunch of new models out there this year. They have like four new Fitbits and adding to the three that they were selling previously, you know, so they already have, they have more than half a dozen models on the market. So it's a very like throw it at the wall and see what sticks kind of approach. So consumers like go to the store, they go online and they're like, oh, I don't know. You know, the question doesn't become, should I get a Fitbit? For some people it becomes, well, should I get the Blaze or the Flex or the Charge or the, you know, and so it's like that classic sort of strategy. Um, But the thing is too, is is, like- Is every every Fitbit named after a character from American Gladiators? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Blaze. The Blaze. The Blaze, right? The Blaze. I never thought about that before. Uh, 
The Blaze is is selling surprisingly well. Yeah, it does really well how, with the javelin challenge. I don't think it's very. <laughs> I don't think it's very good looking. No, it's really not. Wait, um, hold on. I'm just looking up a list of American gladiators. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, hold on. I'm looking up a list of Fitbits. Right, it's, um, it's apparently the same. But yeah, so wearables in general, like they're having this day of reckoning, right? It's happening, and it's happening now. And we've sort of been saying this for a while. Um, it's hard for some people to understand what the real value of wearables are, um, unless they're like really dedicated fitness tracking devices or they're really cool smartwatches. Um, some IDC just put out some numbers earlier this week that said that um, Apple Watch sales, according to their, uh, you know, their estimates were down 71% year over year. And then Apple came out a day later and said, no, we just had the best holiday week ever. Um, and, uh, you know, Pebble uh, was struggling financially. They couldn't get their products out the door. We have no idea what's going on with Jawbone. We have some idea what's going on with Jawbone, but um, they've sort of like faded away. And so, um yeah, I mean, and then and then a bunch of the Android Wear watchmakers like Huawei, LG, and Motorola have decided not to make smartwatches this fall, which is which is kind of a big deal. We were waiting for those, and Dieter's like chomping at the bit here. Blaze was played by Sherry Pendleton. She was on American Gladiator from '89 <laughs> oh. to '93. I have the list open too. <laughs> There's also Laser, Zap, yeah. Hawk, okay, Turbo, Nitro. Diamond. Nitro would no, be Dieter, a good you one. have to say the word Fitbit. The Fitbit oh, I'm sorry. Nitro. There's Fitbit a Fitbit Saber. laser, the Fitbit <laughs> Zap, Fitbit Hawk, Fitbit Turbo, I guarantee you will come out. Yep. <laughs> Fitbit Ice for cold weather uh, activities. Uh, Fitbit Nitro <laughs> sounds illegal. Uh, yeah. Fitbit, Fitbit Gemini for adult dancers. <laughs> That's, That's that Fitbit one. Diesel. Adult dancers? Is that what you said? Fitbit Diesel is going to be like a giant, huge Fitbit with like a big battery in it. You can vape off of it. Fitbit Diesel would be Diesel? Oh, wait, I'm yeah. sorry. Fit I got it wrong. You could vape off of it. The new adult dancer one would definitely be Fitbit Lace. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or Fitbit Electra. There's a lot. All I'm saying is yeah. there's a lot. Fitbit Viper yeah. would have been good too. Anyway, Ooh. Fitbit, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> there are many ways to compensate us for these ideas. Um, or American so, Gladiators. Okay, so Moto gave up on Android Wear. Yeah. Yep. Uh, nobody else, every other manufacturer has already given up on Android Wear. Yeah. They've delayed its release so far as I can tell to someday, whenever. Microsoft uh, gave up on the band. Microsoft gave up on the band. Pebble. It's no longer selling it. I, I guess, is the story with Pebble that they ran out of money? Like The story is that Pebble had been uh, struggling for the past year or so. Yeah. And this this deal was I'm really the, sad about the, the core, deal. actually. The Pebble core, the little well, Spotify I mean, I thing. I was kind of excited. Pebble, yeah, Pebble is definitely what everyone in our office wears. Yeah. I see Pebble more than yeah. anything else, which is why yeah. it hurts so bad that they went I to know. Fitbit. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but also we are not like we're like the small sort of uh, technocratic sample of the universe, yeah. too. Yeah. But the big question is, is the story that all smartwatches are dead or is the story that all smartwatches except the Apple Watch are dead? Like it comes down to like, do you believe Tim Cook when he tells you that sales are fine? I actually don't know if you have to. Like Apple can continue to sell, I don't know, 100,000 Apple Watches a year for eternity and it will like it won't it'll be fine like they can afford to do that right yeah. i mean what what i go ahead Neil. oh i was gonna say i mean they they cut the price of the thing so it's a lot cheaper now it's like starts at 269 and the platform is a lot better so as a product all they have it's i mean it's still just an accessory to your iphone mm -hmm. so all they have to do is convert some number of iphone owners into apple watch owners and they have a way bigger business than any other platform, right? It's And there's obviously like billions of iPhones in the world. So Apple's opportunity is so different than everybody else's opportunity just because if they convert 2% of iPhone owners, they have millions of sales. And so right. I, that's like that's the way to think about it in a way that Google can't address the Android installed base the way that Apple can address the number of iPhone owners. But that said, I... I did it. You know, I did it again. I put on the Apple Watch. I wore it diligently for two months, and then I the battery died, and never thought about it again. Mm -hmm. You didn't wear a dead one for a while. I wore you're a dead one. I wore you a dead were doing one that last year. Yeah, it's fun to um, wear a dead Apple Watch. It's <laughs> but the, but the thing that I've, so you're totally right in that as long as they sell a small percentage of of watches to iPhone users, then they're doing they're doing okay for the wearables market. Um, but they're really the last holdout right now when it comes to wearable makers that are uh, relegated to one platform. 
which is iOS, right? Yeah. I mean, Garmin uh, comes up there every, you know, every quarter on IDC's list, and they're still selling pretty well. And those work across multiple platforms. Fitbit works across multiple platforms. Microsoft Band did. Um, there's even an Android Wear app for iOS, although it's incredibly limited. It just means like, hey, you can technically have an Android Wear watch and use iOS. So like basically, and maybe some of the Samsung wearables. I'm trying to remember if the last band, the last Samsung band only worked with Sam, Samsung. It's quite possible. Um, but but for the most part, Apple's really the only holdout when it comes to these things. And so even like think about this holiday season when people are saying, oh, should I buy someone in my life a wearable? Do you think they're going to buy them something that, I mean, unless that person has expressly said, I mm-hmm. love my iPhone and I want an Apple watch. You're likely not going to want to get something that only works with an operating system. Fitbit Cyclone. Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Sorry. No, I no, like that you're I, doing I think, this because I, I could get so in the weeds on this stuff <laughs> for like ever and just, just keep making jokes. Uh, it's, no, it's lighten my mood these days of the yeah. wearable market. <laughs> uh, Lauren, I don't know if people think about platforms as much as we do, right? I think if you have an iPhone, you know, and people are like, oh, that person loves their iPhone. Maybe they do say, I want an Apple Watch or somebody just goes into the Apple store and buys the thing that's in front of them. Yeah. But yeah. I think it comes down, it's like there's two winners, right? There's Apple that's going to own this sort of big Apple Watch size space. And then there's Fitbit that's going to own activity. I think people say, I want a Fitbit. Like, I think that yeah. they've won that part of the battle. People actively mm-hmm. say, I want a Fitbit. I mean, in two years we're talking about like Apple Watch, Fitbit, and Garmin. Mm-hmm. Right, because like I don't think Fitbit is going to go up into Garmin's zone of its like hardcore could, activity stuff. They but, could, but yeah, they kind of tried to with the surge. But yeah, and I, and I don't think Garmin is going to be able to manage to like what they've only like made little baby steps to like try and become like something for everybody. Right. The ba- well, although the wire cutter consistently votes their Vivo active yeah. or their Vivo smart, some of the best. But activities. also, yeah. but, but yes, that's, that's but one yes. of those wire cutter things where you like you go and you buy the one on the wire cutter that they say is the best, and you like give it to somebody as a gift, and they're like, oh, well, what is this? Because they, they don't know, mm-hmm. right? Like you, so, they're like the Garmin Vivo. Yeah. Active. I, well, thank you so much. <laughs> this is you. great. Is this like a Fitbit? Yeah. Like, oh, it's a wire cutter said it was the best one, and they're like, it's oh, not what yeah. I wanted at all. They're like, can I exchange this for a Fitbit at Best Buy? Yeah. No I disrespect. Know. I I love the wire cutter, and I buy almost everything uh, that I need to buy for my home through it. But sometimes they're like, buy this really weird thing, and they're like. <laughs> You know, I'm just going to stick with what everybody else has. That's going to be fine. I, I also feel like, though, this year we've seen a lot of fashion brands come out with their own branded wearables Fossils and smartwatches. everywhere. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, that feels, that is inherently different from Fitbit and Apple Watch. That is more like Pebble's market, where Pebble, I felt like, was a little bit more fashionable. Mm-hmm. That's why I liked it. But now it's like Kate Spade, Armani, different people like that. Yeah. If you love Kate Spade's look, the obvious choice is to go to Kate Spade and buy Kate Spade smartwatch. But then you Paso. end up with like a weird. Yeah. But the people who buy that watch Android don't care. Pay- yeah. Although Fitbit did have a Tory Burch line that they said they said sold really well. Yeah, like the brand so they is, could partner like, with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Nicola, who was on the show a bunch, she had, she bought a Pebble. She's like, it's the one I like the best. It's the one that looks the best. It looks great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she got the time the time round. The time round is yeah. the one that yeah. looks around. great. Yeah. yeah. It's like the only one they really designed for women. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, honestly. The so, rest were... yeah. Yeah, all the other ones, and the other ones never looked great. That one actually I thought looked really cool. So what happens now? So they're, they're laying off all the hardware people, right? Mm-hmm. And the software team is going to Fitbit, and they're going to, it's going to be the Fitbit operating system. What's the, what's the plan? Uh, so according to a report in Bloomberg, about 40% of the employees at Pebble were offered jobs at Fitbit, and you are correct, it is primarily in the software engineering team. Um, Fitbit just acquired the platform. And as of right now, we don't know exactly what the plan is for how Fitbit is either going to continue to support the platform or integrate it in some way. Like my best guess would be that, um, you know, Fitbit sort of dipped its toe into smartwatch territory with the Blaze because it had this, you know, color touchscreen display and it ran a couple apps. I mean, most notably Fitbit's own app called Fitstar that they had acquired. Um, But it wasn't really a platform for apps, right? Mm -hmm. So my best guess is that if Fitbit is going to get deeper into the smartwatch market, they're going to take this technology and possibly use some of it to build a platform that outside developers actually want to build stuff for that can run on a Fitbit or some type of fragment of an app that will run on a Fitbit. Yeah, I think the question is, it's the same Apple question. I think the thing that doomed Pebble ultimately is Apple 
just didn't give them all the hooks into the OS that they needed. Like you couldn't respond to an iMessage from a Pebble, but you can definitely do that from a Apple Watch. And yep. it, the question to me is, can any smartwatch survive if they can't provide a complete extension of the phone experience, or do they all have to become replacements for your phone because Apple won't let them in the door? And I just I don't know the answer to that question at all. Mm-hmm. I think that's right on. Yeah, because I couldn't text from my Pebble. Yeah. Which is like and a, that, thing, a that, thing you definitely want to do from it. Yeah, and I, I don't use my Pebble anymore. It's all over. It's because of me that they got bought. So you don't have, you don't <laughs> have one on. I don't have one on. Teeter, do you have a smartwatch mm-hmm. on? Yes. Well, what do you have yeah. on? I have a, a Moto 360, which they're not making these anymore. And it's the. <laughs> I mean, everybody makes fun of it because it has the flat tire display. I don't care. It's not a million inches thick like every other Android Wear watch. And that's like, it's not a giant watch. And like, the Gear S3 also massive. Yeah. Right. Like we're we're not even talking about Samsung smartwatch. Um, which fine. I don't know. I don't care. I guess I should more. But like they're putting cellular radios in this shit now. Like, uh, like <laughs> the no. Like the thing that's really frustrating because like if Pebble had access to like more money and like like more engineering resources. And actually, a, like a bigger like supply chain of cheaper parts, and like the platform. Like if they had all of these things that they were never going to get, um, they had the right philosophy about what a smartwatch should be. They were focused on you know the right things. They knew that they weren't going to like take over fitness, but they had just enough to make you happy. They focused on battery life. They focused on usability. Uh, the design of the OS was uh, of the new OS was by uh, Itai who was at WebOS and then he went to Pebble and now he's over at Intel and it was like really smart like they had all the right ideas they had a really small dedicated community that loved them and they had zero chance of success uh, <laughs> I mean I'm just gonna say it sounds a lot like Palm to me yeah hmm. I, I, I knew that's where you were going <laughs> <laughs> how did you possibly know that yeah uh, Lauren, are you wearing a smartwatch? I'm not wearing a smartwatch right now. I actually have not worn a smartwatch since um, since like election day. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, just, I don't want any I just more was so depressed information about what happens the in the world. Afterwards. The smartwatch is gone. <laughs> so are you wearing a tracker? Uh, I'm actually not at the moment. Whoa. I very briefly uh, used the Nike, Nike Apple Watch, yeah. which yeah. Um, I have on loan and um, is exactly like the Apple Watch Series 2, but with some Nike stuff and some Nike colors. So you're, you're zero so quant right now. I'm zero, yeah. No I, quantification <laughs> I've whatsoever. gone back to uh, just using Strava on my phone right now. Oh, okay. Well, that counts. Um, so I'm you're using not, something, you're not, but I'm not wearing a You're tracker. not an actual non-quant. You're yeah. like something yeah. else. I, just don't, I don't know why. Non-quant. I just haven't in a while. But um, this is probably the longest I've gone, uh, about a month, in, a really, in years, without wearing it, without wearing a tracker but but yeah i mean i guess this brings up the bigger question as to whether or not not just this category but this idea of gadgetry and gadgets in general are are dead as some people have oh, oh yeah so, so this is good yeah. so uh, that was really smooth that was really good uh so farhad manju who's at the times who we love and know he's been on the show i'm actually going on his show tomorrow to argue with him about this uh, oh yeah oh yeah uh, it's me nice. and Joanna Stern, and we've demanded oh, that he rename his show from the Farhad and Jay show, or the Jay and Farhad show, to the Joanna and Neela show. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see if this condition is accepted. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Farhad's a good guy. He wrote a piece pegged to the Pebble News, basically saying gadgets are over. Like, this was supposed to be a, categ- a new category that supported all kinds of new companies. It fizzled out. Basically, everything's a smartphone now, and this moment of gadgetry has passed. Mm-hmm. Ashley Carmen took exception to this. I, I thought you wrote a great piece saying gadgets aren't dead. You want to you want to walk us through it? Yeah. So Farhad's piece was interesting. Um, there there was a couple core problems. Not not to hate on Farhad, but I'm just gonna say. Um, so he was basically bringing up this point that Pebble being acquired mean that is evidence as well as other companies like 3D Robotics not doing well. These companies aren't doing well. Therefore, gadgets are dead. Yeah. Which just like that logic doesn't yeah. make sense. He also called out Nest, and Tony yeah. Fidel from Nest has been raging oh on Twitter yes. far all day, which is amazing. <laughs> Nest people are not happy. <laughs> no, in general, they're not. <laughs> no. so it's either too hot or too cold in their house, and they can't figure it out. <laughs> they're so angry about the temperature, they built an entire freaking company and all these smart algorithms. Can somebody please just fix the temperature in this room? And all of a sudden, Nest came out. <laughs> like, anyway. I got a sweater. I put it on. I'm too hot. Screw I got this. I a sweater. 
I have to build a whole new company. Like the to fix title it. of Tony Fidel's memoir is like, I got a sweater. <laughs> anyway, it's like just uh, buy a blanket. Uh, Ashley, keep going. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, so he says these things, and then I'm saying that just doesn't make any sense. Also, what even is a gadget? If you're saying gadgets are dead. Let's define what a gadget is. And in his mind, a gadget was like the Game Boy or a Walkman or like these really landmark gadgets, little, you know, electronics. Yeah, like the iPod and, or something. Yeah, yeah. iPod, etc. And I'm saying, okay, well, now everything is technically connected. So at this point, how can you say gadgets are dead? Is a dishwasher a gadget? Is a connected light bulb a gadget? What is a gadget, first of all? <laughs> and then basically saying after we define what a gadget is, that there are tons of gadgets in the world and that people with hobbies and interests and special needs are going to continue to buy gadgets if you needed a built-in market. So yeah, I referenced a weed garden, yeah. a garden that for your house that helps you grow weed, Yeah, which is not for everyone, but like- <laughs> But it could be. But yeah, it could be. And you know, people smoke weed. It's like yeah. legal in a lot of places here. Yeah. So someone out there wants to grow it. Let's talk about more about this weed garden. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. You should write a follow-up to that, that ganja is not dead. <laughs> ganja <laughs> is not well, alive. Well, so I think this ganja up, gadgets are not dead. Ganja is forever. The, the Ashley Carmen story. Wow, can't wait to dedicate my life to this. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, Ashley, you have a new beat. <laughs> We're changing the whole site. Uh, the intersection of technology, culture, and weed. Just straight up weed. Weed. Uh, weed. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think so. It's weird because I think this is super cyclical on almost a yearly basis. That it, the end of the year comes, we like stare into the void of holiday sales. CES looms in the distance, and everybody who writes about tech gets real sad in a variety of ways. And they're like, nothing is exciting anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, I don't buy it. Dieter, Lauren, oh, I, I just think that uh, people that write these articles just don't want to go to CES and the editors say, no, you have to go. And they're like, oh yeah, I can prove to you that it won't matter. And then they write these articles. <laughs> well, it's, it's I not going to matter. That. And it's not why you go, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, nothing happens there, but you get to see everybody. That's important. You get to look at all the stuff. That's important. Mm-hmm. I mean, Walt is not going for the first time in 25 years, he informed me yesterday. Because Ooh. he's like, nothing ever gets announced there except for HGTVs, and I just bought one, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it was like, I'm not going to go shopping while I'm there, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the way I look at it is we go there to just, like, see that, basically see what they put a chip in this year, right? And where design thinking has gone. So, like, this weed garden is, it connects to your phone, it has a bunch of sensors that are cheap now because of smartphones. Mm-hmm. There's an app that lets you monitor all the sensors because smartphones exist. So it's the ancillary things that are happening away from the phone. Exactly. But they're never going to grow into a phone themselves. Yeah, your phone cannot grow weed mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I, just I a have fact. a sort of a, fi- a philosophical theory about the whole gadget thing, which is, in my opinion, 2016 was the year that people in general were just way more interesting and way more interesting subjects than gadgets or technology and that the companies that haven't really done well this year or put out products that weren't received well have essentially lost touch with what people actually wanted and they have forgotten somewhere along the way that these things are supposed to serve people and do things for people and make people better Mm -hmm. and they haven't and that's why sometimes I completely agree with you yeah I think that's why like when I'm saying people with interests like this is going to help them do what they love to do it will make them happier happier and so yeah i totally see where you're coming from with that yeah i mean i i think the i mean how many times in the show we talked about ports in the macbook and headphone jacks on phones like those are examples of the tech industry saying here's the future as we've decided it will be mm-hmm. and people saying this isn't how we use your stuff at all and like right. there's a huge disc just in that there's like a massive disconnect by the way, for all the people who have tweeted me about whether I'm going to write an angry article about the Galaxy S8 not having a headphone, oh, we got to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's half written. It's in the brow. It's it's here. <laughs> it's in front of me. I need to finish it. It's just as stupid. I promise you, and maybe even worse. But I'll- it's maybe worse, but it's also better because they're going to switch to USB-C, which, despite still being a um, you know a dangerous fiasco when you try and buy stuff off of Amazon or anywhere else, uh, is you know. More of a standard for audio than uh, than lightning, and at least you can wirelessly charge the phone. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. What I, mean, I really, what you know, I really that, want to that do is like stick my phone to the back of an airline. I mean, it's not the best, but it's better than There's Apple. Like radiating power magnets in the back of every airline seat. And I'm just, it means you can press my phone up against it while I was. You can charge them and, and uh, listen at the same time with wireless charging. That's what I'm saying, but you need it a does. wireless charging pad. Yeah, well, yeah. So you just install that. I mean, it's not convenient, no. Um, Anyway, I I promise I'll write that. I'll finish it. But I think the bigger point about gadgets in general, and I think it has a lot to do with what Lauren is saying, which is kind of like the, that's the mass market success negative side of what Ashley is saying, which is the big companies don't know what big categories exist for them. So they're, they're making bets. We just spent all this time talking about wearables, which everybody thought was the big bet it was the next thing we're going to put computers on our faces and wrists and everywhere and people for the most part have rejected the idea of wearing their computers so far but then there's the flip side which is hey i like doing something can you make it easier and automate it in some way can you i like making tortillas for right. example yeah well, right no, or like, like, the Garmin, like the garmin user you know that person who's like i'm gonna go out and run several miles or go on a hike or do a triathlon this weekend they need that dedicated thing and that is that hobbyist sort of mentality that ashley is referring to in her piece and like that's great and there are gadgets that serve that the the, the all the sous vide gadgets that came out like a year, yeah. year and a half ago, like that, they're everywhere now, mm-hmm. and it's just like a standard thing that people go by. And for a while, that was like a new thing, and that's like definitely a like I want to learn how to cook in this weird way. Yeah, it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, the other issue too that I was trying to deal with with this piece was like Farhad was basically saying that because these companies didn't become the next Apple, these things failed, right? Right. And I'm like, okay, maybe a gadget company that solely does gadgets, this one weed garden, isn't going to be the next Apple. It's just not. So then it's like, how do you qualify success? I got to tell you, there's a lot of stone guys who started their weed company who are like, we're going to be the next Apple. (laughs) I'm here to tell you all, you're not going to be the next Apple. Yeah, they should start with LSD. Yeah. Um, But but no, but then the GoPro GoPro example uh, that Farhad brought up, I think that goes back to this idea of like not actually understanding what people do, which is like, sort of this assumption that this tiny little action camera is is going to be useful or interesting to everybody when like in reality most of our lives are like we just do a lot of mundane everyday stuff and most people don't actually need to put a little camera on their body or on their bike or whatever it is right it's like i don't know record their commutes like it's just like not what people do well and farhad said that he wanted a gopro but instead bought a third party or off-brand one from China. Yeah. And it, basically his headline was just wrong. He should have just said a lot of gadget companies are failing. Yeah. He shouldn't have said gadgets are dead. Mm-hmm. Be- I think his headline was be like, behold the gadget apocalypse. Yeah, I'm like, dude, it's not happening. <laughs> well, it's happening, but like, it is happening it, in one specific way, which is a lot of companies built on what we thought were going to be big new categories have yeah. collapsed because those categories... People got tired of them, or they bought one thing, and realized they didn't need another thing. Like you don't. The, the, the I, here's how I here's how I see it. Um, the smartphone, uh, especially Apple smartphones, are different from computers because the computer was the digital hub, and you're gonna like attach a bunch of weird crap to it via USB and do stuff. Um, and the number of things that you can attach to an iPhone to do stuff with, whether it's wirelessly or, you know, via wire or a little lens over it, um, you know, it's not as broad. And if something that attaches to the iPhone in some way becomes successful as a third party, in order to like really get big, they have to like have a deep integration to the OS in a way that Apple won't let them. And that or Apple will just like jump into the category and push you out. So Like that is actually a little bit the story of GoPro. I know it's a separate thing and, you know, it records on its own, its its own kind of gadget, but it eventually was like going to get superseded. It's definitely the story of Pebble, right? Mm -hmm. And so we like the gadgets that are happening now that are like interesting and like have a chance need to make sure that they don't become, uh, I don't know, beholden, I guess, like a, a vassal of basically the iPhone or, you know, Android phones, because there's so many of them so different, you know, have no idea how they're, you know, if it's going to work with all of them. Like, and, and there's a long being list a, of being a Being a satellite device to a phone is a riskier game than being a satellite device to a computer was. Yeah, especially because you generally couldn't take the computer with you everywhere that you went. Right. Right. So the phone is already more useful, but the phone is already more useful to you everywhere you go. 
But all the gadget categories that we think are really interesting are ones that have nothing to do with your phone. Mm-hmm. So voice assistant speakers yep. are really interesting. Virtually nothing to do with your phone. Uh, Ashley brought up Wi-Fi routers. Dan just published his Google Wi-Fi review. He says he thinks it's the one to buy. The, it, I am continually shocked by the fact that we can't publish enough stuff on Wi-Fi routers. Yeah. I don't understand it. Like, I don't read router reviews, but all the rest of you do, and you read the hell out of them. Um, I mean, there's. I think there's just like a long list of that. Drones. Drones have virtually nothing to do with your phone, except some of them require you to plug in them in as a screen. For a display, yeah. Um but the newest GoPro, or I'm sorry, the newest uh, Phantom Pro is going to come with its first controller with the screen built in. So it's just the really interesting categories are, are changing in ways that have virtually nothing to do with phones. And I, that, I think that's actually like the danger for an Apple, right? If you, if you have a limited amount of money to spend a year on gadgets and you're, you're like, my phone is good enough. Maybe this one thing is annoying me. There's all this other stuff to buy that has nothing to do with my phone. Maybe your money's going to go there. And I think that's that's like the core of what Farhad is talking about from kind of the, the negative side, which is here were all these ideas and none of them panned out. And they didn't turn into big companies that rivaled Apple for your money. And what we're saying is, but there are so many other ideas and some of them are working out. Mm-hmm. Also, Wi-Fi routers are great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I need to read this ad and then we should talk about Microsoft and ARM. This episode of Virtual is brought to you by Lenovo. The cloud sounds magical, but it is just data stored on servers. God damn it. It's estimated the cloud holds four exabytes of data, equal to the storage capacity of six million average laptops. By 2020, experts expect the cloud to hold 40 zettabytes of data, or the storage equivalent of 80 billion average laptops. Most of that data is stored on nearly 5.5 million servers operated by 16 companies. But the cloud isn't just by store stuff. In fact, business increasingly relies on the cloud for expandable computing power. Imagine that you have house guests coming, but you only have one bedroom. Just imagine that dark future. What if you could order... A studio apartment. Can you imagine the horror? <laughs> imagine you have no bedroom. Uh, imagine everyone stands in the kitchen. But what if you could order an extra bedroom for your guest that you could remove after they leave? Just imagine that while you smoke your app weed. Uh, that's the idea behind Lenovo's next-generation data centers built for cloud computing. See, the cloud is all about giving your company the ability to expand and contract server capacity on demand without actually adding more hardware. Lenovo understands that on-demand access can give your company a tremendous competitive advantage. Think about it, it says here. The faster you can scale up, the faster your development team can test new applications, and that means you can get new product features into market faster. But that kind of flexibility is worthless if your servers are down. Lenovo servers are number one in reliability and performance because you don't have time for downtime. Someone, someone wrote that and smiled. Just I don't have time. Hit the button. Downtime. You don't have time, time for downtime. Anyway, if you're feeling handcuffed by pro- proprietary hardware and software relationships, Lenovo systems allow you to partner with leading software providers to ensure your cloud solution is best in class. Lenovo systems can even integrate with legacy software platforms to help get your cloud solution up and running quickly. So learn more about how Lenovo is transforming the data center at www.lenovo.com data center, which I assure you runs on the same data center. Think about that. Thinking. Super thinking. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dieter, huge ARM Windows news. You want you want to walk us through it? So uh, Windows has demoed running full on desktop style Windows apps through emulation software emulation on ARM processors. I think it was a Qualcomm eight twenty or eight thirty five. Eight thirty five is the the one that we're hoping. Yeah, okay, eight thirty five. That's like the big hot new one. Anyway, to be clear, we all understand that Windows ten or Windows 8 at least, already ran on ARM uh, and the Surface RT uh, and the Windows Store apps, the Metro apps, the Windows Store Experience apps, the whatever the hell that we're supposed to call them now apps. <laughs> modern. Uh, no, I don't think they're modern over? anymore. Uh, I think it was, I think it was, Met- it was Metro, Tiles. then Modern, <laughs> then like something, and then now it's like Windows Store. Anyway, they're supposed to like be able to run on both ARM and uh, Intel on x86. Um, but... Nobody wanted those computers. Uh, and so now they have got actual proper, you know, quote unquote proper Windows apps uh, like Photoshop running on ARM. And, you know, from their demo, which take with the grain of salt, seemed fine. Uh, the big question is like when they actually release a computer using an ARM chip, will that emulation actually be good or not? Uh, which I don't know. We'll see. But if it is, it's potentially exciting because. ARM chips are like way more interesting right now than Intel x86 chips. 
my general feeling is that the year-over-year improvement of x86 chips isn't really following Moore's Law anymore. It's getting smaller and smaller, at least as we've seen them come out of Intel. So like the brand new uh, KB Lake chips, everybody's been waiting for them. Everyone's real mad that the Mac, new MacBook Pros don't run on them. Um, we've been looking at the new Windows devices that do run on them, and they're like, you know, a little faster, but they're not like, holy crap, faster. They're not like, uh, what what came before Skylake? Silver oh, Lake. Broad, broad, oh yeah, broad, oh, Broadwell. Broadwell, right? I just, well, Silver I'm Lake Broadwell. is just the name of a neighborhood in Los Angeles. I just, <laughs> you remember when Broadwell came <laughs> out and uh, <laughs> the new MacBook Airs like suddenly had like insane good battery life and yeah. really good speed? Like, and that it was like a revolution in laptops. Like that's the last time that Intel had a moment like that. And everything else since then has felt pretty small and iterative. But on the ARM side, I mean, shit has been getting faster like crazy. Like the the iPad Pro has a processor that is probably, I don't know the exact number, but it's more powerful than the processor in my actual like little skinny MacBook. Yeah. Which is a Core M. Which is Intel yeah, Core right. M. Right. So if that trend continues, like what our conception of Windows on ARM computers is, is like the Surface RT and it was bad. It was like not enough software and it was kind of slow. We didn't feel good about it. Uh, but if ARM processors can catch up or surpass or get in the same realm as fast enough as like x86 processors, there ends up being a wide swath of benefits that you can't get from Intel because Intel never really figured out mobile in a big way. So you get theoretically probably better battery life and you get way easier cellular connectivity and you have uh, a much higher ceiling for growth of improvement in the future if the trends of like year over year improvements in processor speed continues. So I've been going a while. I'm running out of steam here. Yeah. Somebody help me out. I, I just don't want to I'm kind of excited. You. You I think great. I was going to say, I think I have like <laughs> more questions than statements. Okay. The first is, um, first off, like how, how does the emulation actually work? And then Second of all, sec, second of off. Does that doesn't even make sense? Second of all, second of all, <laughs> second, of all. <laughs> second of off. Hey, you're a non-quant right now. <laughs> you live free. You're not. You're not bound by numbers. Yeah, no number system words. can contain you. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. The number uh -huh. line is a prism. Yeah. Reboot. No. Viper. Okay. So how does the emulation work? Is the first thing. And second of all, like, how much better is this going to be than something like, say, the yoga book? Because it's funny when I reviewed the Lenovo yoga book. Yeah which is this tiny little amazing uh, convertible laptop that has this futuristic keyboard. Um, and it comes in both an Android version and a Windows 10 version. Mm -hmm. uh, the Windows 10 version on, uh, which is uh, an Atom chip, which yep. is a mobile chip, oh, was, but it's an was old crap. Chip. And someone in the PC industry reached out to me after that review and actually said, you know how similar this is to the Surface RT, right? The whole idea, the form factor, how yep. small and thin it is, but it's also running on a mobile chip, right? So like, I, I'm just super curious to see like th how the emulation works and, and how much better this actually is. And when you say how it works, do you mean like the actual technical details of like, yeah, what do, do they we... do with the emulator and the software to make the software like, yeah. do the thing? Like, what does that mean? Like for, for lay people, what does that even mean? Well, like, it, uh, I mean, I can give you the super lay thing. I don't know the technical details way deep down, but like software is designed to run on a certain kind of processor. And if it's going to run a different kind of processor, there needs to be a software layer in between that says, hey, I know you think you're running an Intel, uh, but you're actually an ARM. So I'm going to act like Intel for you and be a go between. Yeah. And what that does is it slows everything down. Uh, yeah, but if people, so it used to slow it down way theory, more. Right. And now, people, like, they've the, gotten better at it. The dynamic recompile, like that part of computer yeah. science has been accelerating for some time right and right there's like there's just a lot of microsoft behind it right yeah. because microsoft's entire server stack is about creating environments this is like way deep in the weeds but like there's just a lot of microsoft computer science that's about yep. abstracting you the software away from it the chip and like they can do it now yep uh, and they've been wanting to do it for a long time i think to me the question dieter you brought up uh Apple, it's like Apple's, well, this Apple's is, arm chips yeah. are way faster than everybody else's, but they're not doing this. Right. Um, it's, Which is bonkers, is, it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it is a preview of a move that Apple could make, right? We're going to dynamically recompile all of our x86 stuff. Right. For but the big question, chips. like, I do, I find it incredibly fascinating that Microsoft, it seems, unless Apple like comes out tomorrow, is like, yeah, us too, uh, is beating Apple to the punch on this because we're all sort of assuming they're going to do it with a Mac at some point. Um, but Microsoft's beating the punch, which is hilarious uh, for me, 
I'm not sure why, but I just I can't get over it because we all just been waiting for Apple to do it, and Microsoft's like, oh yeah, we're we're doing it. Well, it's so done. so that's actually my uh, big question is can like, can can Apple does Apple have the software chops that you were just talking about that Microsoft has yes. in order to pull it off as well as Microsoft has? I mean, they've done it before. And so what you're saying they would pull off yeah, though, when they did it before when they is... switched to x86, there was like there was a period where you'd run that stuff in emulation. I forget what the mode was called. The blue box. When you run, it was the blue yeah, box. Whatever. That's what it, it was. was. Not good. It was fine. But just to be fine. clear, what you're what you're yeah. wondering if Apple can pull off is actually having a, a laptop form factor, but it's running. Uh, it's running one of their A series chips. Like they would take. It's yeah. running the A series chip. They could. I mean, they could like do the that A9X hardware X tomorrow. Or the A10X. They could do that hardware. They, I'm sure they have that hardware right now. Like I'm sure they have this MacBook with a ARM processor in it and Mac OS 10 running Mac Mac OS running on it, very nice and smooth and bug free, and it feels and actually is way faster. Than my yeah. current computer, but the question is: Is the emulation layer that allows apps that weren't compiled for this processor going to be as good on Apple as it, we assume it could be on Microsoft? Like, it all comes down to like: Are these emulated apps, apps running in, over on the emulation layer, going to be as good as you claim? Is it going to be a shitty experience? So, so I so think it's it's, be a, I, I think it's unfair to conflate what Apple might do with what Microsoft is doing. Because yeah, Apple, okay. Apple controls its ecosystem. They have their own language, right? They have Swift, right? That's, yeah, sure. that's the day when they say everything has to be written in Swift and it can go everywhere and we'll handle it for you. Um, right. Microsoft has a whole other suite of problems. The two questions. But didn't Microsoft do that sort of with universal apps when they started? Yeah, but nobody, nobody used them. The whole point of this is Photoshop <laughs> yeah. is not a universal app. It's right. a Win32 app designed for Intel processors, and they're it's building a layer that slides right. in under it and lets it run on ARM. So, how much slowdown is that layer going to cause is Dieter's big question. My right. questions are a little bit different. One, if that layer isn't slow, what incentive does any developer have to make an app for Microsoft's new world ever? Because then they get the new computers and the old computers, which Microsoft is historically bad at like moving its legacy systems forward. So this could create a big problem there. Oh no, you you'll wanna make you'll wanna make it the new universal apps because they'll run on phones. But, but they don't sell any goddamn phones. And I know, second, right. and I think this is way more, way more important, is like, how bad did Intel blow it? Like, this right? is the end of Intel. Yeah. Microsoft is saying, well, one of the reasons we wanted to do this is because these computers will now have integrated cellular connectivity. And better battery life. And Intel, like, you know, two months ago is like, we put a modem in the iPhone, right? Like, that was their big win, and they can't carry that win over to what Microsoft wants to do because they don't have the performance in on the battery life. Yeah. We're, you just went on a whole long thing about how the newest Intel x86 chips are not nearly as good. Like, I think Intel's facing a crisis moment if the next generation... I uh, And their responses screwing around with AR and drones and like trying and VR. to... And VR. Yeah, yeah. Like VR. That's, that's, that's Dan wrote a thing right about the Surface Pro 4. He's like, I love this. Now Microsoft can make the one I actually want with an ARM chip in yep. it. Um, yep. The whole phones thing, it's a little bit of a joke, but yeah. if Microsoft can make a phone that you plug into a display and then it can just run Photoshop, that's kind of neat, right? Like Apple's not going to let you do that. Uh, it's just, where what happened to Intel in this last two years? It feels like Intel has dropped the ball so hard that our MacBooks are bad, our Windows laptops are compromised in some way. Microsoft is moving away and you're sitting there dreaming about your MacBook with a different chip in it and a software compatibility layer. And for anybody that says CES is going to be super boring, like Intel has the keynote, like they're <laughs> going to have to get on stage in this, in this new world and like talk about how they're cool and work. Like they've done it now for two years in big ways and, and like haven't seen a bunch of that stuff really land. Like, yeah. are, are you using Curie modules? Oh my God. Well, uh... right. I mean, in fairness to Intel, that's sort of what happens when you're a chip maker and you're relying on your OEMs saying, yes, we will use this, right. uh, as opposed to like a Sony getting up there and showing something off, and then they're directly responsible for shipping that I mean, in that time frame. On the other hand, Qualcomm did the most insane CES keynote of all time, the Bourne Mobile keynote with Big Bird and uh, uh, you know, bad Star Trek movie actress and uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. <laughs> On stage, <laughs> I'm not. We're just going to talk all about true, that forever. These are all true facts that I'm stating right now. Peter, have you been using Ashley's weed <laughs> gadget? Ashley's weed app. 
That's actually a really good name for a weed app. Uh, Ashley's the, weed app. What was the band? Who was the band with the the guy? Or the well, there's two bands. Thing? It was Maroon Five well, was on stage. Maroon Five was on stage, but they were they were like playing Sting on the live stream or something. No, insane. it was like it was like. Uh, oh god, I don't remember. It, it was anyway, literally like you were watching room. Maroon 5. Dido, it was Dido. You only you, used you Dido, but yeah. you were hearing Dido. It was very confusing. This sounds weird. Anyway, <laughs> they are also <laughs> a really shipmaker that is fully dependent on other companies say that they'll make their stuff, and they're doing it just That's fine. True. That's true. So like, yeah. Intel, it, like, I, it's easy to knock Intel for like showing off a bunch of prototypes that never actually make it into production because that's literally their job is to make prototypes and get ev- everybody else to adopt their chips and create things with them. But maybe they could do a little bit less showing off prototypes on stage and a little bit more showing off prototypes in back rooms because that's pretty obviously what Qualcomm has been doing. And Qualcomm's doing just fine. I mean, are ARM chips cheaper than Intel chips? They're, it's weird because they're smaller. Right? Yeah. yeah. And that literally depend. That's Yeah. Cost. So like, yes, this is just all. The answer is like yes and no, right? Like they're, they both come in price ranges. But I think dollar for dollar, it's going to be cheaper. Um, but also performance the, for performance, it's cheaper. Right. So and also the pricing like, structure is going to be different because whoever's using if it the just ARM makes more affordable licensing it. Windows PCs then doesn't that make sense? Yeah, I don't know. I I I don't think Windows PCs can get any cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one's four dollars. Here you go. <laughs> Please take it. It runs Photoshop. <laughs> um, I, I, I that this moment for the entire PC ecosystem is the one where. Unless Intel gets its game back together, it it changes into something else entirely, which is what everyone has always told us is going to happen. Like Moore's Law is going to run out and tablets become the whole thing and PCs die and on and on and on. And then I think back to, you know, a month ago when the MacBook Pro came out and it, everyone was like, I just wanted to have 90 ports and the biggest display. And that love of PCs was still really strong. But it feels like Intel just can't capitalize on it. And that means Apple, Microsoft, Dell, whoever, they can't make exactly the thing that we want. I mean, Dieter and Lauren, you two have been testing Windows laptops nonstop. Have you found yeah. the one true Windows we're getting laptop? A couple, we're, we're getting uh, a couple more today. My, I think we determined that the Dell XPS 13 is probably well, it's, one of it's the Well, like it's still the old default. The The big question for me, and I haven't had a chance to try it, is the Spectre X360. Oh, yeah. That's the, that might be the one. Um, but like... Uh, I've got the Acer Spin 7. It's not the one. It's a, it's a M, Core M. Pro- well, they don't call them Core M anymore, which is like the most. That's that actually. That is the perfect example of Intel's freaking problem. There used to be the Core M processor, and then they decided to call it Core I. And if you wanted to know if you had a real Intel processor that could actually move things or a not real one, you had to look at like the full code name mm-hmm. of the, the chip you and see if it had like the letter I5, Y seven anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so like this is technically a core i5, but it's not. It's a core i5 dash i. It makes gadget blogging really hard. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just gonna say that I have to go through some serious numbers to really? figure out which chips are in these. Yeah. You know, it's funny yeah. on Apple's spec page, they just listed as a core M for the MacBook. Good. They haven't really? changed it. Yeah, they're like, fuck it, they it's should. a core M. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, they don't want to confuse people. They're like, it's but a 1.3 the, the gigahertz you... dual core Intel Core M7 processor, which technically doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, um, and Dieter, you also reviewed the 910, the, Le, the Lenovo Yoga 910 Yeah, recently. which has all the right pieces put together badly. <laughs> yeah, and then I reviewed the Yoga book, yeah. which I like because it's cool and futuristic and it's yeah. relatively inexpensive, but it's not going to be your everyday computer. Oh, man, no. I, want, I, I want the Yoga book to be my everyday computer. Like that... That That's what we're going towards. In particular is oh, what I have an idea. For. I have an idea. So you you talked about Windows and phones before, right? And like we were joking because, <laughs> <laughs> because what else can you do? <laughs> Just to clarify, that was a joke uh, because unfortunately they are. But what if like Microsoft has this vision for a future, and the phone actually doesn't exist? Like the phone, the phone that we know it as now, it doesn't exist because our crappy smartwatches that we're wearing now, they have the cellular radio, right? So we have our smartwatches, our, our, excuse me, we have our phone literally on our bodies, on our wrist, and that is your phone module attached to your wrist. Uh-huh. And then you're carrying around a tablet-like device, uh-huh. and maybe that's like a Surface type thing, or maybe it's like a yoga book type yeah. thing, or a tiny little iPad, right? Yeah. And that is your interface. Are, are you Are you ready to... Slap me in the face. Do it. This. No, it's an audio uh, show, but I have a video feed and I'm ready for it. <laughs> uh, the, the dream you're describing 
was the dream of, of one Palm. Mr. Palm founder, Jeff Hawkins. <laughs> and it's why he created the folio. He, he told this exact story. Like, you're not going to carry a phone around. You're going like, to maybe have a display, but like your computer is going to be this thing that you like have on your belt. Right. And, like, all your devices will just talk to it and it'll have all belt your stuff computer. on it. Belt <laughs> yeah. computer. Like this is your, cell, I'm, I'm like gesturing in the camera right now. This is your cell connection. On your wrist. Yeah, on your wrist. Uh-huh. And it can be a relatively low power consumption device yeah. because all you need to support is the cellular radio. You don't even need a display maybe. Maybe you do for some interaction. And then you're carrying around this like cool tablety thing that you can like punch a number into if you have to. Yeah. Right? But you're basically using it to like commute. And then you get to your office and you plug that arm-powered thing into your larger monitor, and that's your computing experience. Yeah, I, I think you just described something that will require Bluetooth to work, and yeah. so it's not going <laughs> to... Next year. No, it'll be fine. It'll work happening. next year. <laughs> hey, Bluetooth uh, 5 just came out okay. Yeah. yeah. I, know, I like the vision. It just, yeah. I don't like Bluetooth. <laughs> it's so bad. And then we'll all be wearing little AirPods. All right, I have to read, I'm going to read an ad about socks, uh, and then we're going to have a wee, a wee lightning round. Have you guys heard about Sock Club? What? No. No. (laughs) Sock Club, absolutely the best gift solution. You can purchase a Sock of the Month subscription for everyone on your list, and they'll receive a pair of quality American-made socks directly to their door every month. I'd like to pause here and note that socks are not just for feet. You can put iPods in them. You can you you can you can put anything in them. Really, all those iPods everyone's using—they're just hollow fabric tubes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. It's a fact. Uh, Anyway, Sock Club offers printable (laughs) membership certificates, which is an amazing concept. Uh, So you can give subscriptions away. You can write customized gift messages. uh, So your loved one remembers you every month when they receive their socks. I love that there's an exclamation point here. You can write whatever you want on the gift message, including I bought you socks. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I have so many ideas. Uh, these socks are premium quality, American-made socks. They use cotton sourced from the Southeast United States, designed in Austin, Texas. They're knit in North Carolina. You can tell the difference when you put them on. Uh, each month brings brand new, never-before-seen sock designs, specifically created for that month. They even come with a background story on the sock's name and design. Uh, everything about this is perfect and wonderful. This is a little gift with a huge impact. It's way more exciting than a one-time gift. Because your loved one will get a new package of socks every month in their mailbox. Sock Club offers gift subscriptions for men, women, and children. You can give Sock Club to uh, just about anybody. I will say the ad copy says list some people. So you can give it to Ashley, Dieter, Lauren, our producer, Andrew. Uh, if our listeners want to throw sock club at Andrew, I'm sure he'll be <laughs> he'll be super excited about that. Uh, so anyway, make yourself look like an expert gift giver, uh, and me. You can buy me socks. Yeah, which you deserve the socks. Uh, you know, every year uh, Becky is one of my Christmas presents gives me sock reboot, where she just buys me all new socks. socks so now we got a whole year. thing. Yeah, we actually call it, she won't let me call it sock reboot because <laughs> she's like socks are not a computer. <laughs> Anyway, make yourself look like an expert gift giver and check all of those hard to shop for people off your shopping list today. Go to SockClub.com, get 15% off using promo code VERGE at checkout. It's a delightful gift experience. Comfy feet every month. Hollow fabric tubes. Sock Club this holiday season. Honestly, I might get this for my brother. Yeah, right? My brother eats everything in the world, but he has to wear socks. Yeah. Hollow fabric. It's the worst Radiohead album. <laughs> Fitbit Bronco. That's that's really good. Do you, do you want to talk about Westworld for another hour? Do you, do you guys finish it? Uh, yeah. All right. Give, I did. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up on the final two episodes. I know it was like a lot of like, we're explaining everything to you now, but uh, it it stopped enjoying the smell of its own farts and <laughs> uh, and became a good show. Ashley, you just yeah, I said it. thumbs up. Thumbs up. So I've, I can I can I offer my one theory, yeah, about the end that I haven't seen it printed anywhere on the internet. I've just obsessively consumed everything written about the show. At the end, right before the spoiler alert, turn it off now. If you haven't seen it, just turn. Are you, is it off? Okay. What what if I haven't seen it? To, oh. The headphone. So at the end, at the end, he's like, after all, you own the park, or at least most of it. He says it to the man in black, or at least most of it. And he goes and kills everybody else, implying that the man in black will not own the whole thing. Oh, I didn't notice so he stays that alive. line. Right? He says at least most of it. And then, he, and then he's like, robot massacre, the man in black gets shot in the arm, but he doesn't die. 
I think that means the man in black because Ford knows that what the man in black wants is for them to come alive. Now owns the park full of alive hosts. Nobody's written that because it's so obvious. No, I don't think that's it. I've seen it everywhere because what I've seen is is the man in black alive or not. And I think the answer is he's definitely alive because yeah, yeah, that's it. He's definitely he's definitely alive. Um, wow, cool burn, Dieter. By the way, just saying. Um, but is Ford alive? Remember when was you went a, on a twenty-minute a... rant about Microsoft and ARM, and I didn't interrupt you? That was payback. That was reverse payback for that burn. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, we could we could keep going on this. We probably shouldn't though. I'm just I'm 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 glad to have a show where I like I don't need to like read eighteen like theories about it to like try and understand what the freaking timeline of the show was. AT and T Time Which Warner. Okay, uh, big I'm hearing, back. Big hearing I'm yesterday. Back. AT&T's Randall Stevenson says, net neutrality is bad for the internet. We support net neutrality, but not Title II. I have a thought about this, which is that is the new lie carriers tell. They support net neutrality, but not the rules that make it real. I, I think the internet's yeah. like about to change forever. Dieter? Uh, I, think, I think this is going to go through, and the, the fight has to move to trying to convince Congress to put some actual teeth on the riders to accepting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all I don't want to give up. Like I don't want to give up the whole fight in the first place. But like, yo, it's gonna happen. Doom. It's like, it's like you know, in, in Lord of the Rings, when like they hear the stomping in the distance. It's, that's what's happening to us right. right now. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, uh, Dieter, you had some good tweets on this. Apple oh launched its iOS single sign-on for TV apps, oh uh, but like nothing works with it. Nothing. <laughs> Dieter said, does it make a sound? If you launch, what did you say? If you launch single sign-on, but like HBO, Comcast, or uh, Comcast, I don't know. They have nobody. Know they have nobody. They all have, the they have direct TV. don't That's all they have. for direct TV. Yeah. Uh, and, and most like, of the apps it, don't work. Yeah. Like, this is the saddest launch ever. It's just like the perfect sign that like, this is like, and then like the, the thing I said is like, the companies that could, just tomorrow decide to turn this on and like enable this feature are the very same companies that are screwing around with your cable bill and now trying to screw around with the internet. So the Apple TV is actually the perfect example. This is the worst lightning round ever. It's the perfect <laughs> example of the nexus of the problems of what's happening to the internet in America today. It's the intersection of TV and the internet and how just I'm going to just Do fuckery <laughs> is yeah. breaking stuff, breaking. It's breaking what the experience ought to be for no good reason other than fuckery. Yeah. And money. Dieter's and money. exact tweet was, <laughs> if Apple TV launches single sign on and Comcast, Time Warner Cable, Charter, Fios and Optimum are missing, doesn't make a sound. Yeah. That was the tweet. Okay. Next lightning round one. Is it going to be Lauren or Ashley? Who knows? Uh, Both of you, everybody ready. Them. Amazon Go launches. It's a store. Cashier freaking means three. Just put the stuff in your bag and walk away. Ashley. Um, I can't wait for someone to try to steal from this. And then all of the security footage leaks of them getting <laughs> tackled by Amazon employees. Are there employees? Lauren. I guess. Yeah, oh, I thought I was going to the next one. Oh, God. I don't have a next um, one. Uh, some people made some jokes about like, well, what does this mean for shoplifting? OK, that's all well and fine. Uh, I think it's br a brilliant idea. I think this is definitely the direction that retail is moving in. Um, however, I do wonder what the automation is going to mean for retail jobs. Okay, Lauren, I do have one more for you. Ready? Mm -hmm. Apple mm -hmm. blames exposure to ambient air for mm -hmm. iPhone 6S battery failures. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I am 90% certain I have one of these phones. Oh, I, and I, I say 90% certain because I have not yet gone to the store to figure out if my serial number falls within this category. But it's been happening for months. It's usually when I'm out on a run and I'm like tracking the run and I'm feeling really good about myself and I'm like, I got 57% battery life left or whatever the hell's left. And it just dies. And then your music stops suddenly and you can't track anything anymore. And it is honestly super frustrating. And by the way, that's not even that dire of a situation. I mean, I can't even imagine like people who are like, I need to make an emergency phone call or I need maps really badly right now because I don't know where I am. Um, it's a terrible thing. Uh, all we know is what Apple has told us. I will say, and we, all we know is that it's a small number of people, which if you're thinking about the whole iPhone universe could actually be a significant number of phones. I will say though that Apple... This is not their first rodeo when it comes to this stuff. They had AntennaGate. They had BenGate. Now they're having BatteryGate. Um, and they generally try to come out pretty quickly and offer like some technical nugget of what they think is going on, which is, as you might know, different from Samsung's approach with exploding batteries. Yeah. That's kind of my take on it. Like, it's not a good thing. It pisses me off that my iPhone battery is doing this. Um, it sucks. However, so it's weird it, that I think that they're blaming hardware problems when it's pretty clearly a software problem. Like I've had this phone for a year, over a year, 
it didn't do it before. I upgraded iOS 10, yeah. mm-hmm. and now it dies. When did yours start doing it? Huh? Mine started doing it about th- maybe three months ago or so. When did yours start doing it? It's weird, because I I, th- I thought it was just like crashy iOS 10, so I, I didn't even think about it until people started talking about it. So I've right. definitely noticed for the last month or so, maybe a little bit more, but it was do- it was definitely a little bit crashier when I first upgraded to iOS 10. Yes. Actually, you're right. For me, it happened after iOS 10. It started happening after iOS 10, I'm thinking. I, you know what? I'm going to have to go back and, and look. I just remember like, ha- testing. What, a- are you, what are you going to look at? Do you have a log well, of every iPhone I, crash? No, but when, I te- when I'm testing wearables, oh. if I'm unable to complete a test because the phone died, I, I mark that. So I can go back and start to look at like when that started happening during my wearables testing and when it really started to piss me off and see if that, I, see if that may, have coincide, may have coincided with iOS 10. That is some but real big data analysis, Lauren. I, I, that, I'm impressed. We're nerds. I mean, this is just like an, an unfancy Google Doc. Okay, it's not like I have like you know sheets running where I'm like building pivot tables. Have you thought like about that. using an expandable cloud system? <laughs> That's adding, what I'm Have you thought that. about adding a bedroom to your home for this analysis? <laughs> uh, that'd go over real well. So, um, well, their explanation is that this exposure to air created a faster degradation of the battery. Like yeah. we all know, batteries degrade after some time, but that had to have been some like. I don't know, some serious exposure This is just Apple air. forcing I, me to buy an iPhone 7. I feel it in my heart, right? <laughs> They're like, you know what? You read all that crap about the headphone jack, and now you have to have one. <laughs> they went through, and they figured out every person who ever complained about iPhone 7 on the internet. And they <laughs> Stealing their phones. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is like the fourth time I brought it back in. This one, her phone started doing it, and it crashed really hard, and I couldn't recover it. Uh, and she Ooh. actively chose not to get a 7 and bought a 6S Plus because she didn't want to deal with the headphone thing. Whoa. Really? Yeah, she's like, this is dumb. She like looked at the Taking dongle, I showed it to her, and she's like, no, <laughs> and just bought the old phone. They were gonna give her the new phone. Hang for on, free. hang on, hang on, hang on. Just, just, just so that everybody's very clear about about the thinking here, she will put scotch tape on a charger yep. for her Fitbit. She, she loves she will the not Fitbit. Deal with the dongle for the iPhone. She won't do it. Okay. She, we have AT and T next, right? Like, the, we just get the new phone if if you want it. Like, I just get the new phone. But, yeah. but I don't want to deal with it. And I was like, do you just want me to get you the new phone? And she, she's like, what's the headphone thing? Because she doesn't pay attention to me ever. <laughs> so she it's only know. my passion. <laughs> it's only my all-consuming love. Only wrote, wrote a hot take about it. No big deal. I only wrote a hot take. <laughs> it's my defining hot take. Uh, so I, I, and she's like, no, 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 no. And she's like, went and got a success. Anyway, I think that's our show. Is that it? What else is going on? That's... It's enough. Oh, we didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about Apple Samsung's car? wall-to-wall screen. Ah, that's a it, yeah. Samsung rumor is similar to Apple rumor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of my lightning round. Anything else? Okay. Lauren, you were going to say just, something. Apple just sent the strongest hint yet that it's working on a self-driving car. Andy Hawkins wrote that for us a few days ago. Oh, right, because they sent say, a letter. The Apple self-driving gov. car thing is like... I feel like, like, oh, this is exhausting. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like the makeup and breakup thing. We're making a car. We're not making a car. We're making a car. We're making, we want to go. You know, when the iPad came out, we we were still, I was still at Engadget. No one else here was at Engadget. I was saying we, but it was just me all by myself <laughs> and Paul. Um, but when the iPad came out at Engadget, we wrote a post that tracked the like a decade of rumors of an Apple tablet and how one image from a patent application had been in every story for 10 years about the Apple tablet. I definitely feel like the Apple car is the same thing. Mm-hmm. We're just going to talk about it on and off for a decade, and then they're going to release it, and it's going to be like, yeah, you made an iPhone that rolls. <laughs> I was going to say, and it'll just be real, a really big iPhone. It's a really big iPhone. <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> Anyhow, I think that is indeed our show. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm, well, I'm going to say something sad now. Usually, This is where I usually plug all the other shows, but one of those shows has come to an end. Ashley, you've hosted some episodes of the show. What's tech? with Chris Plant slash Ashley Carmen has come to an end. Done. It's over. Because uh, Chris is our, our, our culture editor now, so he's got all kinds of things to do, and he figured out what tech is. So <laughs> Woohoo! Mission accomplished. <laughs> but anyway, there's a serious finale with Chris and Ross Miller, who's been on the show a million times. Uh, that's a, it's, really, it's a fun episode, uh, so go listen to that. I obviously host Control What Delete uh, with Walt, which is, we talked about design. We also yelled about headphone jacks on, this, on that show this week. Lauren, you have a podcast. Yeah, it's called Too Embarrassed to Ask, and it's available on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, also Recode's website. And this week, Dan Seifert from The Verge came on, and we talked all about the smart home. It was super fun. Great. 
Uh, that actually does sound super fun. Let's listen to that. And Kara Swisher on the Recode side has Recode Decode. Peter Kafka has Recode Media, which I, if you're a media nerd like me, it's one of the best. All that is on iTunes. Go rate it, review it, give it the five stars. Uh, you can contact all of us. Uh, I'm at Reckless. Ashley is Ashley R. Carmen. Lauren is Lauren Good. Dieter is at Backlon on Twitter. We're at Virgin Twitter on Snapchat, on Instagram. Instagram, by the way, getting better and better and better on TheVerge.com. Anything else? Any other platforms? Aloe, Peach. Look, we're I love Peach. Just find us. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's still like a significant Google Plus presence happening for The Verge. We just like auto post Android stories to it. It's, <laughs> it's still those people are still there, so they're doing it. Uh, but anyway, uh, talk to us, uh, and we'll be back next week with more Vergecast. That's it. Rock and roll, Paul. Paul. Why does everyone say Paul? Oh. Paul. <laughs>